This is the Cattails Podcast, Food for the Journey. Season 4, Episode 6. What I learned from one of my toughest times. Hi, I'm Michael. Welcome back to the Cattails Podcast. This is very quickly becoming one of the best things I get to do in my life, making these for you. Every time I'm making one of these, I think, yes, I get to do another one of these. So I hope you're enjoying them and I hope they're valuable for you in your life. So before we start, I'd like to say a massive thank you as always to our sponsor, the Masterclass Sessions. Make sure you click on the link in the show notes if you'd like to book on the latest Masterclass Session. And also send me a quick message on social media, comment on one of my posts, or put uh, michael at catalyst.co.uk, send me a quick email. Just tell me something you enjoy from the episodes. I love to get feedback. Uh, and you could have a chance of winning 12 months, a whole year's subscription to the Masterclass Sessions. Best people in the world, what they do, giving you online sessions for free. Amazing. <laughs> Get to check it out. So I was really thinking about how this season is quite themed, isn't it, really? All about the toughest times. And last episode, uh, we had Rob on, and Rob will be coming back uh, later on this season, talking about the value of partnerships, and they can help you through tough times. And I really thought, right, well... What is one of the toughest times I've been through in my life? And if you go to episode 10, it's the season finale of season one. That was probably the worst and hardest, most difficult time of my life that actually led to me being here now. So if you'd like to hear that one, just listen to that episode. But there was another one that came before that, like a prequel. (laughs) And it was really, really difficult. And I thought, well, if I tell you this story of what it was, there might be certain things that might help you. In thinking, yeah, I've, I've felt like that before, I know where he's coming from. And then I reflected on it and thought, what have I learned in terms of lessons? And, you know, me, I'm always self-reflecting and I'm trying to encourage learning and lifelong learning. And if it can be helpful for you to help you in the current t- tough times you might be experiencing now, it's worth doing, isn't it? So, we're going to go back in time to 2008. Remember that? 2008. I was 22. I was freshly out of university. I'd just done my master's at Manchester. And there was a recession. The biggest recession in a long time. And what did that mean? There were no jobs. So I went from thinking, great, I've got this degree and I'm going to do something special. And I worked in a supermarket for three months. And that was hard. Really, really difficult. Because there was nothing else. And once that finished, even that, there was nothing else. There were no jobs, nothing, not a sausage. And that really shocked me because I'd done my A-levels and I'd gone straight into university and done a degree and I'd gone straight into doing a master's. And things have changed a lot now, I think, in terms of young people having options at university and doing apprenticeships and going straight into work. But my process was just the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And then I didn't want to do a PhD. So I was like, right, well, what am I going to do now? And the fact that there was just nothing there was really difficult. It was really difficult. If you think about it, I've gone from having this kind of thing this to focus on, you know, work hard, but then you get this result, work hard, you get this result. And then there was just nothing. And that was very hard to take, very, very hard to take, actually. And at the time, I was really shocked by it. Not that I expected to just walk into a job, or, but just, just to not have options and to suddenly be put into this narrative, kind of like covid this narrative of this massive global thing is happening and whether you like it or not, you're a part of it. It was really difficult, really difficult. One of the things that I did was I was so frustrated and I didn't have a lot of the outlets that I have now creatively. 
I just started painting. I got an easel and I got these massive pieces of paper and I got some oil paints and I've always liked to draw and, and be creative, but I'd never really you know, painted like that. And I just did these paintings. I did about six of them and I've never painted like that ever since. I just had to get something out and I can visualize them now. I did this one that was just all these different colors and random squiggles. Then I did another one where I'd been watching a program called Smallville. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's pretty good. It's like Superman's early years. And there was this cave painting and it was like a two-headed thing. One was like a monster and a human together. And I thought, oh, I like that. And I just threw myself into that. And I just painted because the pain of being good to go and not have anything to do with it is very, very difficult. It's, you know, you, you physically, mentally, you got your skills, you're good to go. Like, right, what am I doing? And there's nothing. That was really, really hard to to understand. So one of the things I did, I thought, well, I've always thought I could maybe work in charity and charity sector might be a good one to work in. So I did some voluntary work at a, a local hospice. And again, it was really difficult because it was great to support the cause, but the actual work itself was really challenging because it was very monotonous, it was very boring, to be honest. And I was grateful for the opportunity and I knew it was helping, but again, it wasn't kind of scratching that itch. And I think that's an issue that a lot of employers tell me now. They they hear with young people, they have these amazing skills and these amazing abilities and they almost expect something straight away. And I definitely did that. I hold my hands up. I ex- almost expected, you know, something. But the volunteer was amazing. I did get to do some really cool stuff and help out on some charity events and learn a lot about the workplace. And there were some incredible people I got to work with. So I was doing this voluntary work, I was doing this painting and another thing I did was my brother, who's a head teacher, is a teacher in a school at the time. I just said, can I help out at your school? And I remember they were doing a Key Stage 2 production, like the, um, the five, year five and year six, were doing this, this production. And I painted the backdrop to it. And I helped out music lessons. And I just wanted to be helpful. Thinking back, I think, wow, that was a bit random that I did that. But I just wanted to help out. I just wanted to be useful. I wanted to help out. One of the greatest pains is when you, like, like I'm saying, you're just good to go but you just got nowhere to put it. It's very, very difficult. And it was funny because I was also doing jiu-jitsu at the time, so I was trying to keep up my jiu-jitsu. And I remember I was cycling. It's mad now to think about it. I used to cycle all the way to my brother's school that was about an hour at least away. Then I'd cycle into town to do my jiu-jitsu class. I'd do my jiu-jitsu class and come home. So you're talking about two and a half hours of cycling plus two hours of jiu-jitsu. And my knee, and my left knee started to swell. And my mum was like, what are you doing? I was like, why is my knee swelling? She said, you're overdoing it massively. You know, telling this story to you now, it's obvious, isn't it? But at the time, I couldn't see any of this stuff. You know, I was just reaching out almost blindly into all these different directions because I didn't have a focus. I didn't. And it was really difficult. Really, really difficult. And funnily enough, where it all kind of started to change was I was talking to my parents and they said, why don't you help out at your old primary school? You know, it's a really good school. It's a really good head teacher there. You could talk to her. And I thought, yeah, okay. And I had no teaching experience at this point whatsoever. None. And I just went into the school and said, can I like, I don't know, help out at dinner time, be a dinner lady or something? Can I just, you know, can I just be helpful? And she is incredible, really. Mrs. Wood, her name was, she was one of my first mentors. She is incredible. She could see something in me and she said, tell me about yourself. What do you like to do? What was your degree in? And I said, well, I did my first degree in drama and English and then I majored in English and did a master's. She went, great. Why don't you do some drama workshops, some little clubs for the kids? 
And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And so I did it, and I'll never forget, I did my first group on a Friday afternoon, and they were amazing. And all of the drama skills and all the stuff I learned in my first degree, I was able to just throw it all into this club and be with these children, and oh, it was so fun, it's so funny, they were brilliant, and the energy children have was incredible. And then that kind of started to spark something, and I started thinking, well, I play a lot of music, maybe I could you know, have, a, have a, a student, maybe? like tutor them and I'll never forget he was called Edmund and he was 69 years old and he was my first guitar student and I was like you want to be good at guitar I can show you that I've done that for a few years and that was when it started to click and looking back you can you can hear it can't you but at the time it wasn't as obvious as this and some so people would say you know what are you doing now I said well I'm, I'm doing these drama workshops with kids and I'm uh, teaching guitar and they went oh right right so you're a teacher I said, no, 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 I'm not a teacher, no way. And I said, but you are, but you're teaching. And I went, ah, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then that led into eventually, I sat down with Mrs. Wood and she said, a whole class can benefit from what you have to offer. It's not just drama. You know, you love being with the children. Just do your teaching qualification, be a teacher. And I spoke to a load of people about it. I spoke to my family and friends and people I trusted. And I'd fallen in it, into it through the back door. So it wasn't as, I was expecting this job, this thing that I wanted to do to appear in front of me and go, this is what you want to do, Mike. Oh, yes, yes, please. And it wasn't like that. It was through the side door going, well, what are you already doing that you're really loving that you could do more of or do better? Well, I love teaching. You know, I was teaching children and adults. I was like, teaching's great. Ah, there was the light bulb moment. And then, you know, the story from there. I became a teacher and I left teaching and now I run a business where I get to train adults. So I'm still kind of doing the same thing, really, that I love to do, just in different contexts. Now, that all sounds very kind of straight line, doesn't it, when you tell it as a story, but it wasn't at the time. It really wasn't. Oh, I would cry, I'd be upset. It was bad. And so that's that was one of the toughest times that I went through. The world was going through that. I wasn't special. And I thought, well, what did I actually learn from that? What was I able to take forward? What could help you from that rather than it just be a story? Well, the first one, and this is hard to take because I don't feel this should be the case all the time, but sometimes the first one is definitely this. The value and the benefit of what you're going through. You cannot always see it as you're going through it. It's very, very, very hard when you're going through something to go, oh yeah, I'm sure there's a meaning to this and it'll be valuable to me in the future. No, no, no. It's like when you're in physical pain. You just want the pain to end. You can't give it any thought as to how it might be improving your life or helping your body. No, no, no. So be just be open to thinking, okay, there might be some value and some benefit to this stuff I'm going through. And I don't need to see it right now. That's a lovely way of thinking. That's a much better way of thinking of it. I've started thinking that. I've got things I'm going through right now. And I know they'll be valuable, but I don't know how. And I don't need to know right now. I don't need to know today. I don't. You don't need to go through something difficult and try and figure out what it's gonna, how it's gonna help you in the future. That's way too much, way too much. So don't pressure yourself. So, but just be open to that. The value and the benefit a situation can bring to you, you will see it. It's not, sometimes it's only when you look back and go, oh, oh yeah, and you'll get to that point. But you don't have to know it now. Just be open to the fact it can give you something, even just the smallest thing. That situation I went through gave and taught me 
so much. Would I wish it on anybody? No. But am I glad I went through it? Yeah. <laughs> the second one, and this is a really important thing that I learned when I was working um, in the supermarket and then when I was unemployed, is the worst suffering is when you feel it's meaningless. People, A lot of people that I speak to that are really upset or suffering, um, they don't have a vision for or an understanding for how their suffering means something. It adds up to something. I'll give an example. I was training some teachers last week and we were talking about stress and they're talking about their family and their children. I said, but you love your family and your children, so your suffering is meaningful, meaning it's because you love them that you're willing to suffer for them and, and be there for them. And they all agreed with that. And so can you imagine if you had to do all that for somebody you didn't care about, a random stranger? They were like, oh, that'd be awful. And that's what it's like with suffering. So when I used to work at the supermarket, I had to work incredibly hard, really, really hard. I'd, I'd do 12-hour shifts. But if I wasn't there, somebody else would do that work. And I'd remember I'd, I'd work really hard during the week. And then at the weekend, there'd be other people in my section. And then I'd come back and there'd be this massive backlog on Monday. And it just went again and again, round and round. It was really painful because I was working hard. But it didn't mean anything to me, really. And then when I was unemployed, I was trying really hard and it wasn't going anywhere. It didn't mean anything. I couldn't see the meaning in it. It was just totally meaningless. So a really good book to help you with that is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Please read it. If there's one book you ever take from this podcast and think, I'm actually going to read that, that is it. Viktor Frankl was in a concentration camp in the Holocaust and the Second World War. His whole family, his entire family were killed. Now, I don't want to cheapen the experience that he went through, but what I will say is this. He helped me to understand that giving meaning to suffering can transform it. It transforms how you look at it, and it transforms what it means to you in your life. And you can almost transcend certain aspects of it and rethink, not that something wasn't awful, but that it was awful, and you get to choose what that means to you. That's an incredibly powerful concept that I've taken forward in my life. And that's the second one. If you are suffering right now and there's no meaning attached to it, you can be the person that can attach some meaning to it. Even if it's just to say, well, Mike said it might give some benefit in the future, so I'll hang on in there. There's not a lot of things in the world that are just completely meaningless. The way that evolution shapes our world is that the environment means something. We, as part of our environment, mean something. We all are part of an ecosystem. There's not a lot of fluff and random stuff that isn't related to something. And the beautiful thing is you can help to create meaning. If you don't feel any or you don't see any, create some. Create some for yourself and somebody say, well, what does this mean to me? I don't know. What could it mean? Oh, I don't know. And you start to get ideas. So that's the second one. The third one, and to be honest, I, I don't personally like, you know, when you see those videos and people say things like, things I wish I knew in my 20s or things like that, I think they're quite patronizing. Because I think who is a person to say after they've been through a situation what somebody else should do before they've been through a situation? You understand what I mean by that? It's like saying to a five-year-old, here's how you should pass your GCSEs at 16. It's totally relevant. But I reflected, what could I have done maybe better for me in that situation? And I think it's hard, but what I would say to old younger Mike, sorry, is to focus more on who you want to be rather than what you want to do. I was so obsessed with... This, this, and what, do I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I didn't realize that it was who I am and what I wanted to be that was more important. And that is the rock. So where that comes from, they are your values. What's valuable to you? How do you want to live as a human being? What matters? 
start from there. Do you remember we talked about start from the inside out, what you love, not what loves you. I should have focused more on that. I should have focused more on my family. The fact I had a home to live in, the fact that I had the privilege to actually take the time to figure out what I wanted to do without being starving and still, you know, and having a roof over my head. But if I said that to 22-year-old Mike now, would he have understood? No. No. So in a way it's it's silly, but it's useful to think now because I can focus on my values now, you know? So I'm not a big fan of telling people what to do, as you know. But maybe I could have focused more on who I wanted to be rather than what I wanted to do. A fourth thing, and this is so key, is that everything passes. And that recession did pass. And I remember it was like when COVID first came out, or I also remember when 9-11 first happened, and all these big events in the global kind of consciousness. And you hear about them all the time. We're on the news, on the news, on the news, every day. Recession, recession, recession. And I was thinking, this is going to last forever. This is just the way it is from now on. And what happened, it was really subtle, was I remember about two or three years later, I was just thinking, they're not, they're not talking about the recession as much. Is it, is it over? <laughs> is, it, is, that, is it not a thing anymore? And it showed that it passed. And it was, it was funny. It's like when you're in pain and then the pain goes and you think, oh, I'm not in pain anymore. We don't tend to do that, do we? We're on to the next thing. So it does pass. Everything pass. Everything you're going through now, it'll pass. Your life itself. It's transitory. Knowing something passes is incredibly helpful to get through it. Because if you think it's forever, it's forever, that's when you want to give up. So it's not forever. The final one I wanted to <laughs> just finish with a little mini story, which comes from around, I can't remember when this happened, but it was around about that time. The fifth one is, it's quite deep. The knowledge of your pain gives you understanding of the human condition. What does that mean? If you have knowledge, actual experience of lived pain, you understand what it's like to be human better. So I'll give an example. I now understand the pain of being employed. I know what it's like. I know the pain of not knowing where I want to go, what I want to do. I know about the frustration that can bring where you're not where you want to be, but then you don't know where you want to go and how frustrating that is. And also I know the pain of not having a way of being, not having values, not having a, a set, you know, way. You think, what is my way? I don't know. And that's so helpful for me because when I encounter that with other people, I can say with empathy, I understand a bit of that. So what does it actually mean to know something? I want to leave you with this. My dad is brilliant and he challenged me on this. We were walking, it was around that time, I was about 22, walking and he, we talk about all sorts of things and I, I said something and he said, well, how do you, how do you know that, Mike? Where, where have you learned that? I said, what do you mean, how do I know? I just know it. Do you say that a lot? Oh, I know that, I know that. Yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. And he challenged me and said, how? How do you know that? I went, well, I read about it. He goes, all right. Are you actually living it now in your day-to-day life, this thing that you know? I said, well, no, I just, no. He said, well, there you go. You don't know it. You've just read about it. It's not the same. <laughs> and I remember getting quite upset and annoyed it because I didn't have the maturity to see what he was saying at the time. But now I do. So what he means by that is, if you know something, it's part of your lived experience. So I know that my values and what catalysis is all about, because I live it every single day. That is true knowledge. You can't know something you're not living, yeah? And the second thing is, when it comes to insight, I've now got some, some insight into some tough times, and I'm sure you have as well. Insight means learned experience. It's not something you've just watched a video on. It's not something you just read. It's not a one-off conversation. You've lived through it, 
And now you have an insight that you can have about that thing. So at the very least, you are living through things right now that is going to give you future insights. You look back and say, that was like that for these reasons. I know a bit of that because I've lived it. And for me personally, I think one of the best ones to understand is pain and suffering. Doesn't mean I like it (laughs) at all. But to have a bit of knowledge about what it is and to be okay with what it is and understand it a bit is very helpful when you're trying to relate to other human beings because guess what we all experience pain and suffering so that knowledge that you will be gaining right now or already have will give you depth in your understanding of what it means actually to be human and that's really helpful because I found the better I understand what it means to be human and understand people the better I can relate to them the better relationships we have and the better my life is and the better their life is as well so don't just read it yeah, don't just listen to the podcast. Live it. Make it part of your your knowledge, your body of experience. My dad would be proud of you. <laughs> like I'm proud of him. So I hope you've enjoyed that and I hope that's been helpful hearing about a bit of one of my tough times and some of the things maybe I could have done to handle it better <laughs> and some of the things it's taught me that can hopefully help you. So until we talk again in the next episode, just remember two things. The first is you could just pick one of my five things or something from the story. You might think, yeah, I'm going to try that. Or, yeah, I haven't really thought of that. Or, well, that's definitely me and take some action on it. But the second thing is, even if you don't do any of that, and you just hang on in there right now in your tough time, know that somewhere, someone, just as you are, they love you very, very much. Okay. Take care and speak soon. Today's random positive fact comes from my dad. He told me this yesterday and it made me smile so much and I wanted to share it with you. He showed me a newspaper article of an area in Africa where they have successfully repopulated elephants and all sorts of amazing animals. So just Google that today. There are some incredible repopulation efforts going on with elephants and pandas and all these animals that were dying out and they're not. They're coming back to life because we've been trying to help them. So give it a Google and be inspired.